If you know only one thing about Christina and I, it's probably the fact that we like to travel. We like to go somewhere. Or, or if we're not traveling, we like to have people that are traveling come stay at our at our home. Of course, uh, last time we were here, you got to meet our friends Sean and, and Megan and uh, got to see the virtual tabernacle. And those are some people that we met in some of our travels. Of course, just not long ago, we were down in Houston, Texas for the GYC convention. I think I told you a little about that. And since then, I've been at the minister's meetings in, in Pigeon Forge. So we like to travel a lot. Just this last week, uh, some friends came to visit us. They were some friends that we had visited on our way to GYC. And they've got three little kids. And she was a good friend of Christina's, actually stayed with Christina for a little while before we got married. And uh, when we got married, Christina sent her to Bolivia as a missionary. <laughs> well, really, the Lord sent her. Uh, but uh, Christina helped to facilitate that and get some connections there. She went down there, spent a number of years down there, ended up getting married down there, and now she's come back with three three kids. So that was that was fun. But, uh, you know, it's not for everybody, I guess, but we just... We just love connecting with people. We love meeting meeting new people or reconnecting with old friends. You know, there's a there's a theme that I find in the Gospels that is centered around this idea of going. And for the next few minutes, I want us just to explore this thought of going, this idea of being sent. And one of these stories, in fact, one of the earliest stories where Jesus sent his disciples. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be spending some time this morning in Matthew chapter 10, but I'd like for us to actually start in Matthew 9 and just get a little bit of context for this passage here. So we'll go to Matthew chapter 9, and I'll begin reading in verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, this is, there's nothing unique about this. This is the core of Jesus' mission in a nutshell. He's going from city to city, from village to village, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven has come. And with it, he's healing the sick, every disease. He's going and going. But as he goes, it's like he stops and he begins to weep. It says there in verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Picture the compassion of Jesus. The tears start to flow down his face as he realizes he's only one. And there are hundreds, yes, thousands of people that need his love. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, it's not so much that there were so many sick people, although there were. There were many, many sick people. But I believe that Jesus was powerful enough. He healed people sometimes from miles away. He just had to speak the word and he could heal. Jesus was powerful enough. He could have waved his hand and healed everyone in the, in the whole region of Galilee. Amen? Was he, he was powerful enough to do that if he wanted to. But you see, that wasn't the point of his mission. As much as he wanted to heal everyone. He says he's moved with compassion, not so much because of their physical sickness, but he's moved with compassion because they are scattered like sheep having no 
shepherd. He sees these people, and if you if you've ever kept sheep or you know anyone that's kept sheep, I don't, I've never kept sheep, but I, I've I've heard some stories. Sheep are they're they're very nice animals, but they're very uh, very docile, but they're very perhaps not really bright. Um, they they tend to get in trouble if you leave them alone for very long at all. You kind of have to guide them. And you know, so many times we see that people in the Bible are compared to sheep. Because, I, I don't know about you, but I can I can speak for myself. I get in trouble more times than I like to admit. And uh, we need a shepherd. People need someone to guide them. And Jesus is looking at all these multitudes and he says they're scattered on the mountains like sheep are scattered without a shepherd. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. More than they need physical healing. More than they need anything else. And he's moved with compassion. And he begins to tell his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. These people are ready to hear the message. But the laborers are so few. Pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He's speaking to his disciples, these 12 men who have followed him for, for maybe a couple of years now. And he's speaking to them. They're, they're so inexperienced. They know so little about Jesus' true mission. They're still looking for an earthly Messiah to redeem them from the power of the Romans. And they, they know so little about Jesus' mission. <coughs> Could Jesus entrust them with such a mission? They don't have theology degrees. They're fishermen. They're mostly uneducated. But they've been with Jesus. They have seen his works. They've been with him day and night. And they've learned a little bit about Jesus' love. And honestly, what better training could you get? But they're, they're, they're still so weak. They're still so vacillating. They still need to learn so much. They don't have the power to go out. But Jesus doesn't stop. You know, at his command, Jesus had turned water into wine. One of his first miracles recorded. At, at his command, Jesus could cast out demons. Later, his disciples would see Jesus feeding an entire multitude from a small boy's lunch. 5,000 people. They would see him stilling the waves on the angry sea by the sound of his voice. But now, Jesus works a miracle that up to this point, he has never worked. We find it here in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Get this, Jesus had just prayed for laborers. He had just said, pray for laborers, but God did not rain down missionaries out of heaven. No, it was the very disciples, these weak, erring human beings, these fishermen, these tax collectors, these ones that have been following him. These are the ones, and that names them here right off. These are the ones that Jesus now gives the power to, to become his first missionaries. They couldn't cast out evil spirits, but Jesus could. They couldn't heal the sick, but Jesus could. 
They could not raise the dead. But Jesus could. And now Jesus gives his disciples the same power that he has in his name to do these works in his name. And Jesus calls his 12 disciples. But he doesn't stop by calling them at the same moment that he calls them. He empowers them to do the works that he does. He calls his disciples. He empowers his disciples. But then in the very next verses, we see he does one more thing. He sends them. I'm going to skip over the names for the sake of time. But if we go to verse 5, these 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, this passage has been called the Little Commission, as opposed to what we find in the very end of Matthew, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. This has been called the Little Commission because in this case, Jesus sends the disciples not to the far reaches of the earth, not to the foreign nations, but to the people right there in Israel, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Notice the connection here. Jesus is still working off this same metaphor. He says, I've, he beheld the multitudes like sheep scattered without a shepherd. And now he says, go to these same lost sheep, the ones that were without a shepherd. Go to these and tell them what? Verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've got to tell you a little bit about this word here. You know, sometimes we have this idea that the spreading of the gospel is all about preaching. It's all about once a week, we come to a sacred place that we call the church, and a special person that we call the pastor stands up on a platform behind a pulpit and talks about religious things from the word of God. And that's what we call preaching. So we do that, and it's not wrong, I don't suppose, to do that. But if we look at this word, and this wasn't written in English, this was actually written in Greek many, many years ago. If you look at this Greek word, the word that we find here is keruso. And it literally means to be a herald. Now picture in your mind, this is before the days of radio, this is before the days of TV or internet or Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. You couldn't get messages from one town to another just by calling someone on the telephone, okay? If if there was an important message and it had to go, say, from here to Somerset, we would we would have to get someone who was a really good runner, we call a messenger, and tell him, take this message and here's the message, you give it to him verbally or maybe it would be written down and, and he would... He would take that and he would run 30 miles to Somerset. And when he got there, he would stand in the town square. And remember, there's no telephones. There's no internet. There's no Twitter. He's running. And he's all out of breath. And he has a message. And everyone gathers there in the square. And he proclaims the message. The message, whether, whether it's we were victorious in the battle or we're being attacked by our enemies. Come and join us. Come join the army. Whatever the message is, that's the message that they would proclaim. And so in this word here, to be a herald or a messenger, it's not talking about someone who stands in a pulpit and, and lectures on religious subjects once a week. We're talking about someone who goes and proclaims. Someone who has a message. And here in the same verse, Jesus gives the message. Verse 7, 
go and preach or go and proclaim, okay? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. My friends, what more wonderful message could the disciples bring? Here for thousands of years, the children of Israel have looked for a Messiah. Now, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You go and share the message. But he doesn't stop there. He says, as you go, preach or proclaim, okay? But notice these verbs that follow. As you go, heal the sick. As you go, cleanse the lepers. As you go, raise the dead. As you go, cast out demons freely. You have received freely. Give. You see, if the disciples were to go simply proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand, just in word only, perhaps there would be some, perhaps many, who would not believe. What are you talking about? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But no one could discredit the miracles. And as you go, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And when they went and they did this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, no one could controvert their message. Of course, they did still, but they had uncontrovertible evidence behind this message. You see, in going out, the disciples were to do exactly what they had seen Jesus do. Jesus taught. Jesus lived the same message. But you know, they didn't go out like you or I would go on a trip. I tell you, Christina and I like to travel. And uh, when I when I go on a trip, I'll, I'll go and get my little backpack and I'll shove a few clothes in there and maybe grab a bite to eat on the road, jump in my car and go, okay? Christina, on the other hand, when we go on a trip, and I always like to take her with her, with me, and if I can't take her along, I tell her several days in advance where I'm going, and she packs my suitcase for me, and and she will take uh, far more stuff than I would ever think to take. But I'm always very thankful when we get to the destination that she was the one that packed. Because the times that I, that she didn't, you know, I've got two or three toothbrushes or five or six toothbrushes and different shavers and various things that I've all had to buy when I got there because I didn't remember to take what I had at home. <laughs> but um, it's one thing that I always take. And uh, I never leave home without it, and that's my credit card, because I know at least if I have my credit card, I can buy whatever I forgot, right? Jesus says here in verses 9 through 11, he says to his disciples, Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for the worker is worthy of his food. And whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there until you go out. You know, these men were sent as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Not only were they not to pack their suitcase, they weren't even to take their credit card along. If we were to say in 21st century language, they weren't even to take any money. Don't, don't worry about providing anything. Just go and God will provide your need. You are an ambassador of the king of heaven. Don't stop to worry because as a you have a credit card on a bank that's never going to run out. A credit card on the bank of heaven. And with God behind you, you don't need to worry about a thing. Jesus goes on in this chapter to tell how some 
would receive the disciples, while others would reject them. They weren't to worry if they got rejected. Jesus just says, shake off the dust from your feet and move on. Keep going. They would face persecution. But Jesus promises to protect them. And I love this in verse 29. If you turn over to verse 29, one of my favorite passages in the scripture. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus says, you are the apple of my eye. I'm going to take care of you. The Heavenly Father is going to take care of you while you are on a mission for him. And so the disciples went and they did just what Jesus had said. Luke records that after they returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. And afterwards, he not only sent out 12, but later on he sent out 70 to do the same thing with the same commission to go and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when those 70 returned, they came to Jesus in amazement. We find in Luke 10, 17, they exclaimed, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. My friends, it worked. The power that Jesus gave to the disciples was real. And when they came back, even though they trusted Jesus when they went, when they came back, they were excited to see it is real. We've seen the power of God in Jesus' name. But my friends, I want to ask you, what about us today? That was many years ago. Since then, we've seen the culmination of Jesus' ministry in the infinite sacrifice, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension to heaven. We've seen the power of Pentecost poured out. You know what Jesus said just before he left his disciples? He didn't really leave them. He's still here in the person of his Holy Spirit. But just before he ascended, turn with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. You probably say it by heart. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, what, in Jerusalem? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And look at the promise. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. My friends, did Jesus ever stop the commission? Did he ever say, okay, that's enough, you don't have to go anymore? How long is he with us? Always. Has the end of the age come? Has Jesus returned again? Not yet. So the commission still stands. Go and make disciples. Look at this picture of Jesus that we find. We found at the beginning of this story. Standing there looking at the multitudes on the mountainside. Scattered as sheep that have no shepherd. It says he was moved with compassion for them. And as he looks at his 12 disciples, he says, how can these go? Pray for laborers. But then he commissions those 12 
weak, erring men to be his ambassadors of the kingdom. My friends, I want to ask you this. Is Jesus coming again? Do we have a message, a special message of Jesus' second coming that the world needs to hear? My friends, who's going to share that message with the world? Let me tell you something. I did a little bit of research not too long ago. And I took the state of Kentucky, and just for the, for the sake of doing this little study, I found in the eastern part of Kentucky, and then you can look it up on Wikipedia, there's a, an area that's a well-defined area of about 31 counties that's known as the Eastern Kentucky Coal Fields. Basically, you, you take Interstate 75, more or less, and everything east of there is a 31-county area uh, known as the Eastern Kentucky Coal Fields. Within that area, about 700,000 people live within this 31-county area. There are about 10 Seventh-day Adventist churches within the 31-county area, and there are only about five pastors that pastor those 10 churches along with a few other churches in an area of 31 counties and 700,000 people. Now let me ask you this, and I'm standing here as a pastor, a new pastor, can five pastors effectively reach 700,000 people? No. Did Jesus say, those of you who have a theological degree, go? Did Jesus say, those of you, it's a good thing because I don't even have a theological degree yet, I'm working on it. Did Jesus say, those of you who have a full-time job working for the church, go. Those of you who have been elected to be the head elder of the church, go. No, he just, he didn't qualify. He said, you. And in the, in the Great Commission, he's everyone who was listening to him, that was his followers. My friends, I want to ask you today, how many of you are followers of Christ? Put your hands down. How many of you think you have an excuse for going? <laughs> I want to just share this with you. I'm not trying to guilt trip you all, okay? Because this has been a struggle for me, and I know it's a struggle for each one of you. But I want to just encourage us. I'm not special. The Lord has asked me to have a leadership role in this congregation, and I praise the Lord for it, and I pray that I may be faithful in that. But all of you are ministers. Every one of you. Even if you're not a member of this local congregation, you are a minister. If you, are, if you have been with Jesus, if you have tasted of his grace, his commission is for you to go. You don't have to go across the world. You don't have to go to a foreign country. You can go across the street. He gave the little commission first, remember? Go to those lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's go to your neighbors, go to your friends, go to the ones... You meet at the grocery store, but go and tell them. You say, do you know that Jesus loves you? Jesus has a plan for you. Do you know that Jesus is coming soon? And I have something I want to share with you. This is just an example you can do. Here's a little track. It tells about Jesus' second coming. How are you doing today? Okay. Do you know that God has a special gift for you? Do you know about Jesus and the grace that he offers? Here's a track. And if you know about it, share it with a friend. 
Does God care that I'm hurting? Here's another, here's another one. And find someone. If you know someone that's going through hard times, struggling, share with them a little bit of the love of Jesus. This is just an example. This is just one way that we can share the love of Jesus and the, the message of his soon return. In the back of this church, if, as you go out the door here, you'll see a, a whole rack. I want you to empty that rack, fill up your pockets, and go out this week and give those to your neighbors and your friends. This is just an example of, of ways that we can share the love of Jesus. Downstairs, we've got a whole room that's full of literature, small things, big things. If you want to get involved in a ministry like this, it's easy. You don't have to do anything. Just have a pocket. Pull something out of your pocket and share the love of Jesus. But however you do it, my friends, Jesus is coming soon. Let us be the messengers of him. Will you let him send you to his lost sheep?